it's all about building trust and through imagery, through video, our goal is to showcase that product so the customer feels that they understand it fully. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-commerce. Today, I'm welcoming to the show an entrepreneur, creative director, co-founder and brand director of The Line Studios, Lindsay Moore Nisbet. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chase. It's great to be here. All right. I'm excited to chat with you and dive into our topic today. Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about product imagery and optimizing it. But before we get into that, uh, let's talk about The Line Studios. Uh, what is it? Uh, how are you helping people over there? What is kind of that business all about? Absolutely. So it is very hard, especially today, for brands to keep up with just the sheer amount of content that needs to be produced almost on a daily basis for multiple marketing channels. And e-commerce specifically, that can sometimes mean hundreds, if not thousands of images on a monthly basis. And I think a lot of brands, you know, it's very easy for them to get bogged down in a very tactical head above water approach when you have to churn out so much content. So the line studios, we work with emerging designers, high growth D2C brands and leaders in the luxury space across many different industries to help them scale their production and refine their creative vision. And our expertise really lies in developing a very streamlined workflow to shoot all of their creative assets. And that workflow is really supported by a creative strategy that's going to tell a unique brand story through each and every marketing campaign, PDP shoot, social channel, brand video, you name it. So ultimately, this approach ensures that every image created by a brand is ultimately driving sales and growth by being efficiently produced and representing the brand. That's amazing, Lindsay. That might be the best response to that question I've gotten on the show. Uh, so you can wear that crown. Um, so let's talk about your history, how you came to be one of the co-founders at The Line Studios. Um, what was kind of the the career journey? Absolutely. So I started my career, not to go way far back, but I, I started in advertising as an art director and was working on you know the million dollar campaigns where budgets were slightly different to where they are today, um, but that really sort of laid the groundwork to you know falling in love with the whole world of photography and everything that happens on a photo set to ultimately sell products. Um, I met my business partner at a company called Guilt.com, where when when I joined there were two photo studios operating out of the Brooklyn Navy Yards. And by the time I left, we were operating upwards of 20 different photo studios um, across multiple locations. And the amazing thing about Guilt was we were shooting every day, multiple studios, thousands of images, and we really all became masters of this e-commerce world, which was really just starting to take off at the time. And a lot of um, luxury brands, Gilt was the first 
e-commerce platform that they were really presented on. Um, so we had to shoot everything in a beautiful quality while also being incredibly efficient. And towards the end of my time at Gilt, we really saw an opportunity where brands were struggling to actually produce their e-commerce assets. It you know, strained their internal bandwidth and they needed support. And so we saw the opportunity to start the line studios and really help these brands to come up with a very efficient and strategic approach to create these assets. Uh, curveball question for you. Are you uh, a Canon or a Nikon person or third party? Are you doing Sony? What are you doing? So we use Canon. I myself being on the art direction side, I don't have like a strong personal preference, but we we do use Canon. So I, I so the, the I am a Canon person as well, but I do have a Nikon FG sitting next to me. For anyone that is uh, watching us on YouTube, I this was an amazing garage sale find over the summer. Um, but yeah, I have a love for photography. Uh, and it's kind of honestly what really drove me into this interesting, creative, strategic th field. And uh, funny enough, it's where me and my partner did a lot of collaboration over photography at his previous job. Uh, but I went more into the, the website and the web design-y stuff. Uh, that's where, that was the itch I like to scratch. Um, going now, let's dive in a bit more to what we're here to talk about. Uh, the product page and specifically imagery for product pages. Um, for a brand, can, can we outline kind of the strategies that they should be thinking about or just how they should be thinking about their product page imagery just at the start? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's an interesting question because I think the way brands should be thinking about their product imagery has really shifted over the last few years. And what we encourage our brands to really think about is beyond just the transactional nature of a product image. So you have an opportunity, you're shooting, you know, 20, 30, 100, 500 SKUs um, for your e-commerce site. So you have the product, you have the photographer, you have the stylist, you have everyone there on set. So if you can think about your product imagery in a more agile way, meaning approach it not so transactional, but inject some of your brand voice into those assets, you are maximizing every creative production dollar for that shoot, giving your marketing team multiple assets that can actually represent your brand voice in addition to showcasing the product and ultimately just have, you know, a lot more assets to use across all of those marketing channels that represent your brand. Where historically speaking, you know, when you think about um, where product imagery historically was and traditionally was, you know, it's a very straightforward product, white background, front side detail on the model, or you know, if it's a still life, it's an accessory, front side back, whatever it is. Um, and not much of a uniqueness there. But today, you know, it's so crowded. The marketplace is so crowded in every industry. And so how, you know, I encourage our brands to really think about how can each one of those images, instead of being just like the next one, how can they stand out? And you don't have to shoot them so straightforward that you can't use them anywhere else except for your product detail page. 
That was a fantastic answer. And so I'm going to parrot it back to you in a dumb way because that's how my brain works. Uh, you're saying try to think about how you can take what essentially is typically a still on white. Let's be real. That's the basic product picture. It's like, how can you elevate that in one or two different ways and make it more unique to your brand? And uh, did I did I get that correct? Yes, and thank you because mine was very long winded, and that's a great way to summarize. Well, I, I you know sometimes it, it, the simplest way it gets the point across, and then you can elaborate on it more. So, if me thinking through this and hearing what you're saying, so if I'm approaching a project, obviously I'm gonna approach it from like a, a, a development des- uh, designing perspective. I love product imagery. And I, I know what you do. And I love getting into projects where I have awesome assets. Because at the end of the day, a web design is only as good as the assets that you are given. And if you just have on white, it's you're kind of boring and it's limited. So I would say um, the two things that come to my mind with elevating that basic product image would be A, don't use a white background. That's even That's pretty straightforward. But B would be interjecting... You said some of the brand voice. So what I was thinking, the two examples that came to my mind were like uh, coffee beans for like a coffee company, right? Like having those within to to, to break up the the stillness of that, or um, more like floral. I've seen flowers get used a lot uh, as uh, stuff within uh, the backdrop of a of a shoot for an image. Do you have any other like uh, go to tricks or whatever? I guess when you're approaching how to elevate this product image. Um, so you're mentioning coffee beans. That's a really interesting product category. Um, we, you know, it comes down to kind of creating this visual language and what are those different attributes? So if it's coffee beans or some sort of CPG product, you know, telling the brand story via the props you use, the type of materials you're shooting on, you know, is it in a modern kitchen? Is it more natural? Is it shot in Costa Rica? Like, bringing in those brand elements to, you know, can be tiny little details in the photograph, but really help you to express your brand voice. So you're not just showing, okay, great coffee beans. You're, you're, you're making that image work a lot harder for you. And that can come through, like I said, sort of props, the environment, the styling, um, the lighting, the framing even, you know, framing, um, let's say it's a very cool outerwear piece that's, you know, got a lot of interesting features rather than just sort of showing, you know, a model from the waist up, you know, zoom in, get some really interesting details, get some interesting angles and crop it differently. That that kind of crop can then be used, you know, and stop someone from scrolling because they see something visually interesting that's not just so straightforward. Absolutely. And I'm 100% going to circle back on advertising and marketing with these assets. But I really want to dive in more to helping merchants think about these photo shoots and how to elevate it from... You even explained something that I want to call out here is like the environment. I was like, Oh, yeah, these don't have to just be on a seamless backdrop. You can put it in a kitchen or put it out in the real world. Now... When you're approaching it this way, I think a hesitation like a merchant might have is, is like, well, if every every product has to be shot that way, right? Uh, and maybe it's a bit more of a lift on their regard. Um, you know, is that just kind of 
the cost of doing business or how would you approach that if that was like kind of a sticking point for a conversation? Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting thing happening now, and this is sort of one of the trends we're seeing is that no, not everything has to be shot exactly the same way. You might have a seasonal story that you tell in April that, you know, evolves for summer and then evolves again for the fall. Um, so I think customer, you know, from a brand perspective, there's a lot less rigidity right now in treating everything exactly the same. And I think if you want to experiment, it's a really great thing to do to see what's resonating with your customer. You might find that that, you know, sort of more environmental picture increases your conversion by 30%. So yeah, then maybe it is, you know, it is a great investment for your brand to shoot more like that. Absolutely. Uh, and I think another thing, I just had Klaus Lautner on from the Coffee Break podcast. And we talked about the Pareto, the Pareto principle, 80-20 rule, right? I think that this 100% applies to uh, elevating this, these assets for these products. It's like, just pick your best selling products. You know, you know, there's four that make up 80% of your business. Just like that focus there if it is a uh, capacity or a budgetary constraint. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great rule. And I think especially when you're trying something new and you don't know what's going to work and every brand is different, you know, doubling down on the ones that are your highest sellers and seeing what drives them even more is, is fantastic. Okay. I think we've done a good job of explaining uh, why, you know, elevating these product images can help uh, on on the product page, you know, uh, it just it stops people from scrolling. It can elevate conversion rate. It there's the intrinsic value of elevating the aesthetic of the brand, and that leads to more value in click throughs and trust of the brand, right? Um, but you know, I think a lot of people will argue it's more expensive to do this thing, and sure, right? You got us there. But can we talk about how investing in these assets? Where you can also repurpose them, like what, it, like it's not just going to end up on the the product detail page, right? Right, exactly. So I think that's the biggest thing people tend to forget about is if you do invest more in your e-commerce imagery by making it a little bit more representative of your brand, then you you know you might be able to eliminate an entire marketing shoot for that season. Um, so, you know, thinking about it in terms of that high level perspective of maximizing everything, you might be putting more dollars into, let's say, creating a video, but then that video can really lead to some great conversions through digital advertising. So just thinking about it more holistically and from the customer's experience of, you know, where they're finding your brand and now that is like everywhere. And so you want to be able to create assets that can meet them everywhere. And you're not really doing that if you're just creating assets on white. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a shame because you're not maximizing that budget. That wasn't the Absolutely. best. Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, you're, you're sharing a, a wealth of knowledge here. And I think that just one thing, a lot of entrepreneurs, struggle with is differentiating themselves against their competition when it is something that's maybe more commoditized. And it's like the 
perceived value of something on white versus something that is elevated of different environment with these, you know, uh, props, etc. You know, you don't have to run a, a survey or a split test there. Like one is going to outperform the other. And then when you take that same effort and you distill it out through all of your marketing channels, right? So you've invested in like let's just take a typical example here, you know, a a, a merchant has invested in their top products. They've did five this awesome cool way experimenting and then they're taking that same thing they are now using it in their facebook ads they're now using it in their email marketing they're now using it on their landing page so the the ad matches the the look and feel and the message of that landing page they're hell they could take it to print either a catalog or direct mail like these assets are are useful everywhere um i see the value yeah absolutely um and i think representing your brand through those images also gives your customer just more opportunities to connect emotionally as well. And for you to stand out when those customers are coming or potential customers are exploring and discovering your brand. We talked a lot about imagery. Does this same mindset apply to video? It definitely does. Um, Again, video can be cost prohibitive, but I encourage our brands to really think about it in terms of testing. And like you said, the 80-20 almost rule here. So if you experiment and test with video, you're going to learn what works for your brand and you're going to most likely see higher conversion rates. And so, yes, you're spending more, but you're going to see a lot of benefits from that. There's also very, you know, there's also a multiple, sorry, product videos also don't have to be super straightforward. You know, they don't have to be that 360 turn that we often see. There's so many formats to experiment with and so many different formats that might resonate with a brand's customer. So you know, even though they're not the cheapest, I encourage people to experiment, start small, test a few concepts. Maybe it's a how-to, maybe it's something more lifestyle driven, or maybe it's a really great way to showcase the scale of a product if it's something like a backpack or the functionality. So you test what's working and then you double down. And then all of a sudden that cost is, you know, nothing compared to what you see on the conversion end. Absolutely. And just like, a crash course in conversion rate optimization and how this applies to it is, you know, when it comes down to it, you're trying to get rid of any fears, uncertainties, and doubts that your potential customer has with purchasing your product. And where these imagery assets and these video assets come in to do that is it will answer questions that they have before they can ask them. Um, so let's just take an example of a still image on white versus a video of that image being used how it's uh, a video of that product being used how it's supposed to be used uh they now know the scale of it like you mentioned they see the front back the top the bottom they all their questions are getting answered so they have no reason if it solves their problem they trust it more and they want to buy from it um and additionally i talked about the perceived value of elevated assets. That's why people buy Apple products is because they have amazing marketing and assets. Um, And so if I think I'm getting a better deal because the perceived value of this product is better because the assets 
make me feel that way, that's also going to raise your conversion rate because the trust is there. A hundred percent. It's all about building trust and through imagery, through video, our goal is to showcase that product so the customer feels that they understand it fully, both the functionality of it, but also like how is it going to fit into their lives? And that's where like the more agile editorialized approach really helps in that respect too. Absolutely. Um, now I can't let you leave this podcast without talking about AI. It's going crazy these days. How do you see AI, especially with image generation? How is this going to play into people's workflows? How is this going to affect your average e-commerce entrepreneur? Yes, that is something we think about a lot. Um, we use a great workflow software called Creative Force. And so there's AI utilized on the process side that just helps us streamline things um, in a less, you know, it's not a massive impact on our workflow. What we're really watching is on the creative side and the imagery creation side. Now, most of our clients are in the fashion and beauty space. And while we're paying very close attention, it's not yet replacing the need to shoot products or even the ability to replicate and you know create interesting scenarios yet for us just because of you know it doesn't it doesn't um it's really bad at hands it's yeah it's not the most realistic effect at the moment and it it takes the people who do it well are not any more cost effective right now than actually putting together you know the crew to do it um but yeah so it's we're not sort of utilizing it in the e-commerce world quite yet, but we're paying close attention. You know, we've talked a lot about product imagery um, and how to make your store better, but is there anything I didn't ask you that you think would resonate with our audience and help merchants? So we talked about kind of the agile approach. I do think, you know, thinking about their imagery in 2024 and looking ahead, it's important just as a general fact here that customers are spending 40% more time on the PDP than the homepage when they're visiting a brand site. So just to reiterate, you know, paying very careful attention to your e-commerce imagery is really more important than it has been ever before. And I think, you know, some other interesting tidbits that we're seeing to share are, you know, some trends in e-commerce imagery that we're really paying attention to, um, that more editorialized approach that we talked about. Um, there's definitely a trend towards viewing real people, not necessarily models and assets that are maybe created, um, user-generated content, you know, putting that on your PDP, um, using real people in your casting. And then also um, things like image infographics we've seen on the rise as well, stemming perhaps from the success of Amazon shopping and the fact that customers don't really want to read descriptions as much um, before. So the more you can, the more information you can put onto your imagery also seems to be uh, gaining in popularity as well. So that's. That's what I would say to brands that are hopefully some helpful information as we look ahead. 
I mean, I'm going to use something you just said in my work life, which is that 40% more time is spent on PDPs than on homepages. To me, that makes the argument that like, I feel brands get really caught up when designing websites. They get caught up a lot about the homepage, which is where people aren't spending... That is a uh, placeholder to get to where they actually want to go, which is usually the product page for the product that's going to solve their problem, or they're exploring other stuff on the website that is going to help them, uh, you know, the fears, uncertainties, doubts, get over that shit. So, you know, I, I feel when we're having conversations around web design projects and redesigns and, re, and, you know, maybe they're going through branding or whatever, a lot more focus has been put historically on what are the assets for that homepage hero and I kind of want. I'm going to start to push back. Like, who gives us? Who gives about? Who cares about that? People are skipping it entirely, also, because you're coming in from all these different channels. It's nonlinear. They're not always going homepage, PLP, PDP. They're going very often directly to the PDP from other places. So, yeah, yeah. It's they're they're seeing the product on TikTok, and then they're going. Oftentimes, they're not even going to the product page. They're going to a lander built specifically for that offer. And that circumvents the the website maybe completely. Um, so it's a lot to think about here, uh, Lindsay. I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing all these insights. Um, if I'm listening to this and I'm curious, I want to learn more about you and learn more about the Line Studios. Where should I go? The Line Studios NYC. We're located in New York City. Um, or Lindsay Moore Nisbet on LinkedIn, and I would love to hear from any of your listeners. Awesome. We'll make sure to link all that stuff in the show notes and I'll have you on soon. Great. This was so fun. Thanks, Chase. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own businesses. You can find all the links in the show notes. You can subscribe to the newsletter at honestycommerce.co to get each episode delivered right into your inbox. If you're enjoying this content, consider leaving a review on iTunes that really helps us out. Lastly, if you're a store owner looking for an amazing partner to help you get your Shopify store to the next level, reach out to Electric Eye at electriceye.io slash connect. Until next time.